Hello, and welcome to the State of Our Workforce, Where Are We Now?, where we go beyond the Department of Labor, Employment, and Jobs numbers and explore the issues at the forefront of workforce development. I'm Amanda Cage, the CEO of the National Fund for Workforce Solutions. And today we're very excited to be streaming on LinkedIn for the first time. So thank you to all who are joining us and welcome. Today I will be having a conversation with Tom Strong, our Director of Employer Activation at the National Fund for Workforce Solutions. Um, here we are, uh, two years uh, in terms of the anniversary of the pandemic, and we're having that conversation that started um, around the great labor shortage, the great resignation. We're still hearing uh, conversations about what's going on with workers, um, how come they're not returning to work. According to a recent survey by uh, Robert Half Staffing, 41% of professional service workers say they plan to look for a new job in the first half of the year. Um, Tom, what should employers be thinking about during this labor market? So yeah, Amanda, it's, that's a really striking number that you shared. And I'll say that in our own conversations here at the National Fund with uh, employers across the service sector, that really rings true. A lot of co companies are concerned about their um, most valued workers leaving. They're concerned about their ability to hire. Um, and these challenges are not going away. I mean, one thing that we can say pretty clearly at this point is that we have arrived at a new normal in mm -hmm. the United States and employers want to think about how they ultimately are going to adapt to that. Today, after a year of really solid job growth, there's still nearly 11 million job openings in the U.S. Um, if you're an employer, especially in one that's seeing a lot of dynamism like the service sector is, every one of those open positions represents a potential choice for your workers and for the workers that you want to hire. And it's great, in our opinion, that workers have choices. That's ultimately going to lead to a happier and healthier society. But it does mean that employers need to think a little bit differently now, because this is really the biggest bottleneck, the biggest constraint that they have. And if you want to be successful in this economy as an employer, you really should be focusing on winning a competition for talent and doing what you can to create a workplace where people want to join you, want to stay, want to thrive and feel like they have the options to do so. Yeah, the, the numbers are quite uh, stark. We are on our seventh month of over 10 million job openings. There is 1.7 jobs for every unemployed worker in this country. Mm -hmm. um, what Can you give examples, Tom, of what employers can do we know that people talk about wages all the time. And obviously we have a lot of people in this country who are still not making a living wage, but wages isn't the only answer. How can employers um, enact some of these changes that you're talking about? So um, here at the National Fund, we recently completed some research that speaks to this exact question. Um, in partnership with our colleagues at the Workforce and Organizational Research Center, uh, we studied the basically about 50 years worth of organizational scientific literature, basically studies of how organizations work, what leads organizations to thrive and what holds them back. And what this literature review found and what we later published as our job quality outcome maps um, is that there are five outcomes that employers are always looking for and that um, 
that matter to their bottom lines and that can be affected by their personnel choices and their workplace choices. And those outcomes are the intention of turnover, how, how many employees are likely to want to look for a new job, the employee's commitment to the organization, the employee's level of burnout, the employee's level of engagement, and employee's um, level of individual performance. What our research showed is that those different outcomes are associated across a lot of scientific studies with 26 different uh, what we call job design choices, choices that you as an employer are making when you hire someone, when you write a job description, when you assign responsibilities and roles. And those choices reverberate throughout your organization. So there's going to be situations where people will be more likely to want to stay. They'll be more committed to your organization. They will thrive more and feel like they can do their best work if you're making certain choices rather than others. We can't say it's a causal relationship, but we can say that those correlations are very, very strong. So it, it's it's hard for often for an, an individual employer, an individual firm to take the steps to make these changes. Um, how do you think about how employers can work together, especially within an industry, to enact some changes that will attract workers, not just to their particular um, business, but attract workers to the industry as a whole? Yeah, so there's kind of a two-step here um, in that individual employer, you have to be thinking about what your business needs to thrive, your ability to, to compete for talent, as I said before. But businesses are not limited to their choices as individual entities either. You are working in a place, in a region. There are other organizations, other, other companies in your sector and in related sectors that their fortunes and your fortunes are tied together. And when companies choose to participate in an industry partnership or some other way of organizing their efforts um, to improve regional performance, that is another way to address these challenges, right? So there's only so much that an individual company can do to try to attract more workers to actually move to their region. Like the regional effects are really powerful there. But if you work with 10 to 12 colleagues at peer organizations and try to develop a, a workforce strategy for your region and for your industry, and maybe bring in folks from the workforce development space, from local government, from CBOs as partners, mm -hmm. that's going to extend your reach a great deal. Um, when With a couple of minutes left, I do want to ask you about this issue about sort of mental health and, and support. Uh, one of the statistics that came out was that 19% of workers uh, were really unhappy with the way their employers treated them as part of the COVID crisis. Can you talk a little bit about um, what we can do to support workers as we continue to sort of grapple with what the virus means for people's lives? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of us, you know, employers, workers, both, like we tend to gravitate towards certain ideas when it comes to creating a better and more sustainable workplace in a workplace where everyone can thrive. So a lot of people think wages versus wages, don't get me wrong, they're really important. They are kind of the basic price you must pay to be a competitive workplace is to pay competitive wages. But it's really clear from our research and the research of those who came before us that that's not the whole story. Um, 
So one thing that we saw in our uh, literature review and is published in the job quality maps um, is that support from your organization, a perceived support from your supervisor especially, mm -hmm. it's associated with all five of those outcomes. Mm -hmm. So investing in supervisor training, investing in supervisor support, um, really important. It can have effects for psychological safety, which is also extremely well established in the literature as something that impacts people's choices. Um, it can affect worker engagement because no one, as the saying goes, like no one really quits their job, they quit their manager. Mm -hmm. uh, well, thank you, Tom, for taking uh, the time to join me today. Um, as we continue to have these conversations month to month, uh, we learn so much about what's happening in the labor market and more importantly, what we can do to support employers and workers during this time. Uh, for those of you in the audience, uh, please consider joining us next month when we have our State of the Workforce. Uh, it will be an ongoing event here on LinkedIn, uh, and you can check nationalfund.org for upcoming broadcast dates. Thank you very much. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, everyone.